Welcome to the Moves Room, everybody. We have another guest, an extension colleague, Emily and Mai's boss. Krishona mm-hmm. Martinson is with us. She is the extension educator for horses, for equine. And it's good that we have her because I don't know a ton about horses and I don't look forward to answering questions about horses and she handles all of that. Uh, in addition, she is a forage and weed expert. She's with us today. We're going to uh, talk about some research that came out, pretty big stuff, especially with uh, a lot of farmers out there not having facilities and, and having that be expensive. It, it, it's, a, it's a good topic to get into. So thank you for being here today, Krishana. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Okay, two questions. I always ask these two questions. Ooh, question um, time. They're, they're super important. We know you, you have beef cows at home, so we're gonna start with dairy. What is your favorite dairy breed? And it has to be a purebred. There is a right answer. <laughs> there is, and I might, I might disappoint Brad. So I actually grew up on a dairy farm in Wisconsin. So Holstein's is my answer. Oh, that is so unfortunate. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, that hurts a little bit. Okay, it's, it's tied now. Now it's tied again. Actually, it's it's not actually. It's not. Oh, no. there. The Holsteins are ahead. Wonderful. Holsteins are ahead. So that puts us at Holsteins <laughs> with four, Jerseys with three, Dutch Belted with two, Normandy Ooh. with one, Brown Swiss with one, and Montbelliard with one. Very disappointing, but that's okay. We'll we'll take it. It's a good choice. At least you didn't say Dutch Belted. That's all I have. <gasps> Rude. <laughs> all right. Same question, but we're talking beef. Well, that's easy. Herefords. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Woohoo. Wow. And if somebody tells me that that's their grandpa's choice anymore, I'm going to have a little meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's what my grandpa had as well. <laughs> no, okay, it's... Shona, do you have any Herefords at your place? That's all we have is Herefords. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, that's a good choice. I, I can't go wrong with Hereford. I My choice is Angus, but Hereford is definitely a close second. And if I had to choose a cow to work with, I would take a Hereford. So uh, that puts us at Herefords with four, with four leading Whoa. the pack. Wow, yes. Black Angus with three, Kianina with one, Brahmin with one, Stabilizer with one, and our exception to the purebred rule, the Black Baldy with one. So <laughs> that's right. I forgot we made that exception. Yeah, we, we just <laughs> randomly made that exception for uh, for for John David. Some people get special treatment on this podcast. <laughs> Little yeah. shout out to John David there. Yeah, yeah John David. Whoop. Let's get into get into the topic for today. We're we're talking about uh, different ways to wrap bales and, and the new newer technology that's out that that I think has changed the game, and I think the research has backed up my thoughts. So, Krishona, give us an overview of the the over. Sorry. That, just tongue-tied. The rundown. <laughs> give, give us the rundown on how this whole study was set up. Like you said, there's new technologies coming out all the time. I think everybody knows that twine had its day and most people now use net wrap. But there's a new product that has come out in the last handful of years called B-Wrap. And kind of think of it as like a Tyvek for a round bale. And so as these claims are coming out, of course, all of us in extension get a lot of questions. So we started getting questions from people on, does it, is it really as good as the barn? Does it live up to its expectations? And a lot of it was focused around the cost. 
Um, if you look at the average cost for a twine bale, it's about a dollar to bind that round bale, like your average four foot by five foot round bale and twine. Mm -hmm. It's like a dollar 17 for net wrap. B wrap jumps you up just a little over $8 a bale. So when people see that price tag, their eyes get pretty big, just like. Whoa. Whoa. Yes. And so you get a lot of questions about, about the product. So that's really what stemmed this research was just questions from, from farmers. I wow. am still in shock about $8 a bale. I know, I know. But, I think and I knew... we all are. We've never had complete silence like that before. <laughs> no, I think we're, we're, I knew it was expensive. $8 a bale kind of shocked me. Now, I, I've, read, I've read the research. I've read the, the abstract and the, paper, the rest of the paper. I think it's probably still worth it. And, and I think it, it, you can pencil it out. And I, I'm sure that's a discussion we can continue to have. But really, that was the point, right? We're comparing twine to net wrap to B wrap. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't include storing in a barn in the study, did you? No, we actually did a follow-up study, but we haven't got to those results quite yet. So essentially what we did is we split up a field, an alfalfa field um, into different you know, sections, baled the, the bales with net wrap, B wrap and twine. And then for a year, we stored them outside on pallets and every three months we weighed the bales and we sampled the bales to get a good kind of distribution over the year, thinking the year is about the longest hay would be stored at a, at a typical farm. And then just looked at the results after that year ended. It's, it, it's drastic, the difference. I mean, that's the big piece, right? I mean, when you look at twine versus net wrap versus the, the, the B wrap, you can see why it's more expensive because there's a difference when you're just looking at the hay and we'll get into the second part of the study later. But when you're just looking at the hay, there's a dramatic difference in, in what's going on there. And for me, I'm the vet, I'm biased. Uh, I wanna see mold, I wanna see uh, spoilage and things like that because it affects health and, and dry matter intake. Um, but how big of a difference was it on that front? Yeah, so it was a really, it was a pretty significant difference. So. Uh, surprisingly, within the first 90 days of storage, the bales were very similar. So even the twine bales looked great. The analysis was similar to when they were harvested. But after 90 days in storage is when things really started to take a turn. So after 90 days in storage, the B-rat bales were able to maintain their nutrient pro profile. So crude protein was maintained, the fiber values, and then of course relative feed values calculated off those values that was maintained where the bales that were wrapped in twine and net wrap really started to decline. And at the end of the year of outdoor storage, there was a significant enough difference where the B-wrap bales on average had a $10 greater value per bale than the other two wrap types. So it really did pay for itself. So it overcame that initial, you know, upcharge in the B-wrap and at the end of the year it was it was a more valuable product simply because B-wrap is able to better shed moisture and water which we all know is something we want to avoid when we're storing hay outdoors. Podcast is done. Podcast over. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Yes, done. No more episode. Yeah. Well, I mean this is the again we've talked about this on our show a lot where it's Applied research is the thing that really gets most of us going. Yes, I mean, the stuff that happens preliminary or the stuff that happens in the lab is very important and it needs to happen. 
But when it's a real world situation and I can see the effect immediately, that that's the research I want to see. And that's the research that I, I hope most of uh, our, our department and everyone at the University of Minnesota in extension is trying to do. And th this is a perfect example, especially with an economic analysis that says, should you do this or not? And it's pretty straightforward and I love it. The other half of this study, also equally interesting. You guys didn't just look at value and analysis and testing. You fed this hay. You actually fed it. Yes. And, you know, uh, even though I'm a horse specialist, I would have preferred to feed it to horses. But I think we can all agree that horses like to die. And just simply mm. looking at the hay, you could see the mold and you could see that crust that had formed on, on the bales. And we knew we could feed it to horses. So we collaborated with Alfredo Di Constanzo in our department and we fed it to um, Angus cow calf pairs. So those cows had calved in the fall. So the hay sat outside for an additional four months while we waited for those cows to come off pasture and calve. And then we just gave the, we basically did a preference trial. We set out three bales at a time, one with net wrap, one with bee wrap and one with twine. And miraculously, guess what? The cattle always chose to consume the bale that was wrapped in bee wrap. Mm. Yeah, and I, I'm looking, I've looked at the numbers on this too. And again, not, not really close at all. Uh, they, they always chose the bee wrap first and they always ate way more of it. They didn't eat anything else until they were forced to. Uh, it is, it's a big difference and uh, they can tell. And we, we've known this, this isn't anything new. Uh, we've known that cattle will choose the better quality. Hey, they can smell the mold. They can do that. And, and, and it's, it's not a big difference. But what, what interesting to me is this has long-term health effects. Quality hay uh, without all the added mold and spoilage and anything else these cattle consume has long-term health effects for uh, just dry matter intakes so of body condition in general, but also uh, for fertility and pregnancy, either current pregnancies, dropping them depending on what, what toxins are present, and then even just getting pregnant by being able to have the correct body condition. Hopefully down the road, that's where we're going to go uh, with some of this is try to show that it does have a long-term impact. And I think that's maybe in the works or we're trying as hard as we can, right? Yeah, we're certainly trying. So, you know, with that initial study, we didn't look at the mold content, but we knew when we fed it to the animals that that was an important factor. So we, we did look at the mold content and the bales wrapped in bee wrap had significantly less um, mold, then the bales and twine had the highest level and then net wrap was intermediate. And when you're doing an intake trial and measuring what the cattle eat, um, you can correlate things. And we knew that the cattle intake or what they preferred to eat was correlated to the mold concentration. But like you said, Joe, that's not a surprise. Others have found that as well across multiple species. So sheep, goats, cattle. So it, it was just an interesting facet of the results that the cattle certainly somehow would seek out, you know, obviously with, through smell or taste and would prefer that hay that was better quality. Yeah, this is, this, is a, this is a good deal, a big deal. And it doesn't, it's not just cows. You know, we focus on cows on this, this podcast and it's not just beef cows either. You know, it, this is a solution, uh, a, a very good solution for people that don't have hay storage. Now, still the gold standard. I'm not advocating to use B-Wrap instead of a building. But I, I think there's really good legs to this. And it's something that people should be considering. How different does it look? That was my question. Like, I haven't seen a ton of pictures of B-Rap. 
it it looks almost identical. Does it look like NetWrap, or does it actually look like a? It's not. Doesn't look like the big white. Yeah. Nope. It, it, it's not, yeah. It's it's not like in, encapsulated or enclosed in that in the plastic wrap. It literally looks and feels like Tyvek that people use when they're building a house. So that's a like moisture vapor barrier. Um, but the Tyvek is actually held in place by a, a wrap of B-wrap. So if you look at it, it is kind of like a membrane papery kind of product that's kind of hard to rip, almost like a landscape fabric. So it's breathable, but it definitely just provides more coverage to the bale. And when you're trying to, you know, make sure water doesn't penetrate the bale, the more coverage you have, the better. I mean, obviously a little twine string wrapped around every two or four inches does, just doesn't provide the coverage that net wrap or B-wrap does. When we talk about B-wrap, we're not talking about wrapping like plastic, white plastic around the bales. I think sometimes, that's what I originally thought of it as. Oh, yeah, that's what that I pictured white, in my mind. Is that a, like, you know, white plastic around the bales? And that's not what this is at all. They're still can breathe from the ends of the bale. And so it's very different than people are thinking it's wrapped. It's not totally wrapped like a, a bale like that. Nope, it looks, I mean, it wraps it the same as net wrap or twine. It's just that it's more of a solid covering and it's kind of a dark gray, light blackish color. And, but then again, it has that layer of net wrap. So Joel, that's probably what you were seeing, you know, and it does kind of keep it, it helps hold it in place. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a few other things that we found is, you know, twine takes forever to bind, right? It was an average of just under a minute per bale. Net wrap was the fastest. Um, and and B-wrap was kind of intermediate because you're essentially kind of wrapping it, you know, with the B-wrap and then holding it in place with the net wrap. It took about 30 seconds a bale, which doesn't seem like a lot, but if you're trying to get through a field of 600 round bales, time is money. So I think that's also why twine has gone out. Simply, it takes so long. And the farmer we were collaborating with, we really had to twist his arm to put twine in that round baler. Yeah, I could right. see that. It does take a long time. Go ahead, Em. As is tradition, I have a dumb question. <laughs> and that question is, what direction did you have the bales when they were outside, right? Because I'm thinking oh, that's a good about, question. you know, were those expo that exposed end, one was on the ground and one was up? Or was it, you know, hot dog style? <laughs> Yeah, so that's actually a really good question. You know, throughout that full year, we always look at dry matter because dry matter is what you're buying, what you're selling, what you're feeding. And, you know, we use a newer John Deere baler and that's one of the limitations or complaints we hear about BRAP is it's only available if it's a John Deere product. So if you have, and we are not endorsing John Deere whatsoever, it's just that's the only baler that you can use the BRAP with. So that is a limitation. But we had a newer baler and it made a very nice dense bale. And we stored these bales on pallets because in Minnesota lately, we've been getting this rain in December and we knew we'd have to move those bales every three months and we couldn't risk them freezing to the ground and then having a mm -hmm. huge mess with the wrap coming off. So they were stored on pallets and they were stored on the wrap edge. So those cut edges that are exposed were spaced about three inches to five inches apart from one another to, to allow some airflow. And that is really one of our recommendations. If you're going to store round bales outside, you have to store them on some kind of a well-drained surface, preferably a pallet, but if something else, a gravel pad, a cement pad, something that will help put that barrier between a lot of ground moisture. And then forming a really dense bale and 
and stacking it in like that sausage roll really helps preserve it. You know, if you're stacking them inside, you can stack them like a soup can because then it's just a space saver. And of course you have that protection from the roof, but you are, you're trying to limit that environmental exposure from that cut edge. So sunlight, moisture, and that's what we look for. And, you know, our, even at the end of the year, our twine bales only lost 7% dry matter. The bee wraps maintained it and those net wrap bales lost 5%. So really not huge losses from being stored outside, likely because of how we chose to store them. So Emily, that was a very long answer to your question. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I have another question. Oh, no, uh -oh. Joe, you can go. No, no I, I just uh, wanted uh, to say uh, 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 I, uh, I just wanted to say that I always the thing I always come back to when I talk about hay storage and bale storage is especially with a round bale, you look at how much of the volume is in the outer six inches. That's my that's my big thing. I always come back to it immediately to me justifies figuring out a way to do it better. If you don't have indoor storage, you should think about how you could get it. If you're not using a product like B-Rap, you should think about it. Because when you're talking about a five-foot bale, a five-foot round bale, 33% of the bale is in the outer six inches. So a third of that bale is in the outer six inches, which is the most exposed to the weather, it's the most exposed to the rain. That's a bunch of it's on the ground, potentially, if you're not storing it up or on a well-drained surface. So, I mean, to me, that's the thing that really... I come back to all the time, especially with hay being expensive. It's gotten really expensive and, and you, you can't afford to just throw away a third of the bale because, and, and if you want to do something about it, about it uh, the break even is pretty easy to come by. Yeah, you know, absolutely, Joe. And, and I'm a practical person. I was, I grew up on a dairy farm. We have beef cattle. And I, I think the biggest thing to come out of here is if you're going to store hay outside, really, if you're storing round bales for the first 90 days, it doesn't matter. But obviously in Minnesota, most of us are storing round bales for much longer than that. So perhaps you put you know, some hay in the shed, you have equipment to put in the shed, I understand it's expensive for that shed space, but really the, the hay that maybe you're gonna feed come March and April before you're on pasture while you're calving, Maybe that hay is, is, is wrapped in bee wrap just to preserve it better, or maybe that hay is stored in the barn. So I think practically nobody's going to put all of their hay into bee wrap, but maybe the percentage of your hay supply that you're going to use in late spring, maybe whatever that percentage is, either that hay is stored in the shed or you wrap it in bee wrap or do a combination of some of those options. Okay, Em, what, do, what were you gonna say? You had hey. something. I did. I feel like I'm always the one who asks this question whenever we're talking about studies and different things. Did you look at labor at all? Or did you notice any big differences in one type of, of wrapping being more laborious than another? Or I don't know if you looked at that, thought about it in an, from an economic standpoint or anything. Yeah, no, Emily, that's a great question too. So the problem with bee wrap is it is expensive because you don't wrap as many bales at one time. So you are having to change out that roll more frequently. And that has also been a complaint of some farmers is like you said, it, time is money, labor is money, you're getting on the tractor, those things are not light, right? So, you know, net wrap, you can bale a lot more bales. It's really quick. Bee wrap, you are having to change out that wrap. Now, we did not take that into consideration 
nor do we take into consideration the possible upcharges to a baler that you might have to have. The farmer that we worked with, the BRAP kit was included in the special when he purchased the baler. Um, others, you know, might have a different situation with their dealership. But, you know, labor and time and, and really costs are all things. But we did not specifically look at the time it took to bind the bale or change out that net wrap in this study. Oh, yeah, that's a good question, Em. Yeah, because I mean, you have a, if you think of it as a $2 margin, right, over the other, because you, you spent $8, but you got the bale that was worth $10 more, right? That, that labor could eat up that $2 pretty quick. And I think that's where it comes back to, you don't have to wrap all your bales with wrap you know this is a tool in the toolbox that is clearly effective and uh, you should probably think about how to use it but you don't have to wrap everything which would be kind of the ideal situation where you have a chance to decide what you're going to wrap and how much you need to wrap and then go from there i had a question how did you pick up the bales can you still pick them up with uh with tines or do you have to be really careful with these bales that are wrapped in wrap? When we moved the bales, we had a, um, on the skid loader, we just had a bale spear. So we would just spear the bales from that cut edge and move them around. Mm. Um, obviously, if you would, you know, when we, <laughs> when we took our hay samples, because of course we were taking samples frequently, they look like little Swiss cheese blocks by the time we were done. Um, you do have to be careful about puncturing the integrity of that B-wrap. So we actually uh, filled the holes with wine corks and no, we did not drink that much wine. We just nope. bought corks. Oh, I, I know. Bummer. <laughs> so we filled them with um, corks and then we just used that like gorilla tape and put it over that hole um, just because we did not want to, you know, ruin the integrity of the B-wrap because obviously in a real life situation, you're not going to have I don't know, 36 holes on each side of the bale when you go to feed it. But we did, Joe, we did remove all those corks when we fed those little beef cattle just to make sure we wouldn't cause any problems with them. I don't think they would have even noticed, but. <laughs> yeah, I was, wondering, I was wondering that. I'm like, did they feed the bales with the corks in? They because probably could have. Out. I don't think they would have would have cared, but no, I was, I had seen a picture and I was like, I wonder if those are sampling holes, if those are if those are spear holes or, or what, but no, that makes sense. You want to, you know, kind of maintain that integrity as much as you can. But importantly, we haven't asked before, right, right before we fed the bales, we did remove the wrap. And I know, especially with net wrap and, you know, you all can probably validate this, but I think there's been research in the Dakotas that show that when they do necropsy on cattle that have not had the wrap removed, that wrap is still in the room and it can cause massive problems. Mm -hmm. So we twine, did remove everything immediately before we fed it. Yeah, I mean that's that's a, a big a big thing. I mean, I it's a pet peeve of mine. I know people are strapped for time. I know it's kind of a pain to you know cut everything, then move the bale, and then make sure you got everything off. But I, I think it's a huge. It's also deal. a pain to have dead cows. Oh yeah, I, I've knee crops in plenty know. of cows that are just full of net wrap or I mean they'll eat it they'll eat anything if you put it in the bunk it's it's gonna end up inside them I've taken halters out of cows I've taken lots of baling oh twine <laughs> uh, I took a, a section of hose out of a cow one time so like there's all like not a small section a 10 foot long section I don't know how the hell it happened um so <laughs> oh I mean, there's, there's a lot of different <laughs> stuff that you got to be careful with that kind of thing 
Well, and really it's accidental ingestion, right? They're just eating away. And as they're taking in that long stem forage, it just keeps coming, coming and coming. In. I mean, and we say the same thing with horses, but man, if a horse would have any net wrap, I guarantee you it would be a, a, a colic that would not end well. Right. Yeah, horses are, we'll call them fragile. What else? Is there anything else you want us to ask you, Krishana? We haven't, I don't know if there's anything else that we need to cover. No, uh, I, I think the only other surprising thing is that, you know, we did stratify the hay samples that we took because like you mentioned, we know that that outer six inches of the bale is where 30 some percent, depending on the physical size of it, is where most of the hay and, and, and the, the dry matter is located. And even with the twine bales at the end of a year, our spoilage did not go beyond that six inches, which was surprising because when you've looked at those bales, when we went to feed them, I mean, they, they looked tough. They were brown and gray, and that's why we knew we couldn't feed them to a horse. But the minute you scratch that surface and the cattle just take their heads and flip that layer off, um, the minute you got past that, it was really great looking hay. And of course, that weathered layer on the B-wrap was incredibly thin. Yeah, I mean, that's what I see when I see bales that are outside and they've become slumped. And I know they've been outside a long time and they are either just net wrapped or twine. What you've done is just taken a third to a half of your bale and made bedding because mm -hmm. the cows are going to just get rid of it and get to the hay they want to eat. So if you're okay with that being bedding, that's fine. But hay's too expensive in my mind to just make bedding that way. I think we've covered it all. We better quit. We could probably just talk all day, but it's time. We should wrap this episode. Be wrap this episode. All right. If you have comments, questions, scathing rebuttals, you can send them to the moosroom at umn.edu. That's T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. Check out our website, extension.umn.edu. There is an article just about this. Uh, search for bale wrapping research or B-wrap. You should be able to find it. Uh, it'll pop up. You can see everything that we kind of talked about today in written form. Please check us out on Facebook at UMNBeef and at UMNDairy and on YouTube, UMN Farm Safety and Health. Yes. UMN Extension Farm Safety. I always get that one wrong. So right close. Yet so, so close. Far. Okay. Uh, and then uh, there is a horse Facebook that is extensive and very well followed and very well managed. And that is at UMN Extension Equine Facebook page. Yes. Perfect. That is a great, uh, I get Krishona's newsletter. I check out the Facebook every once in a while. Big following, big following. That's all we got. We'll be back next week. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. I can't believe how shook we were when Krishona was like, eh, $8, $8. I was like, what? <laughs> you guys are so good. I can see why people love this. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>